Right, welcome back to the Lake Show. Matthew Collar in for Henry Lake and uh, Paul Hodawana is going to stay for another segment here. Paul, I was just uh, going through my bank account, looking at all the money, and I was thinking about how much I can bet on the Minnesota Vikings to win the Super Bowl next year when sports betting is made legal and we as a state decide to grow up. Uh, no, okay. I, I actually have never bet on sports. I just think it's obvious that every state should just legalize betting because otherwise people are doing it anyway and doing it with weird offshore stuff. So maybe just anyway, that's not, that's not what I want to ask you about. Uh, let's say though, Paul, let's say I did this. Let's say I made a bet and I took 1000 American dollars and I put it down in, uh, betyourfootballsports.eu. Okay, on the Minnesota Vikings to win the Super Bowl. Now, your reaction, just by how you looked at me right now, would be like, whoa there, Tiger, are you crazy? And the answer is probably yes. But let's say I wasn't. Let's say I hit on that bet and they did make the Super Bowl next year. How would that be possible? And this is a point about rebuilding, yes, and where the Vikings stand right now. But if there are people, Vikings fans, who want the Vikings to take another swing at it with Kirk Cousins and sign free agents and try to draft players to help them right away and mess with the cap and kick money down the road and all those things and take another swing at that NFC North and try to win the Super Bowl desperately as they've been doing for the last five years. How would that even work to get them there next year? Like, What would be the path? I think oh, uh, if, if you're telling me that this has happened, I can see two scenarios, both of them very much not likely, but you can't use a zombie attack. Okay. Well, okay, so maybe I have, I have one solution. No, uh, I would say it's, you know, you get into the playoffs kind of like the Giants got into the playoffs this year. Maybe you face a somewhat fraudulent team in the first round, like many are saying the Giants did this year with the Minnesota Vikings. You get through, and then you find yourself in a couple Brock Purdy-esque situations where injuries have to go your way. Uh, I think that's what we're seeing here. I think this Vikings team and this iteration of this team had probably a Giants win in them, and who knows, maybe a second-round win in them. But as we're seeing in the playoffs here, you just have to be so consistent to make it three rounds to get there. I don't foresee them getting a bye next year. I don't think they go 13-0 and in one-score games or something insane like that. So I'm assuming they got to get three games. And that's the one way you get it if you keep the roster the same. I think the second way, pretty much the same amount of unlikeliness, is you take a shot and you trade for a first-round quarterback. And that quarterback becomes amazing in year one, which doesn't happen often, but We've seen it. Some quarterbacks just kind of hit the ground running and give you a chance. I don't think you could luck yourself into a uh, Brock Purdy situation because you don't have the roster that the 49ers have. So you just had to. You would have to find a difference maker in in the draft. I think those are really the only two options. I think you could make it, you know, second round of the playoffs with this current group. But I think we've just seen over and over and over these past years. That's that's really the ceiling on this iteration of this team without drastic changes. So I think that. That's probably right, that if they've shown where their peak is over the last five years, and we know that even when they got pretty lucky throughout the season, it still didn't carry over. And they did play a fraudulent Giants team, as we saw when they went to Philadelphia and just got their faces kicked in. But I think that the path from a sort of more specific route would be 
that you draft a defensive version of Justin Jefferson. Not impossible if it's Micah Parsons or Aaron Donald, somebody who is unbelievable right away. Let's also say that maybe Ed Donatell was the most clueless person on the face of the earth. I don't know that that's quite the case since his Denver Broncos defense the year before was third, uh, that maybe personnel played a role in it. But let's just say that the defensive coordinator they hire is a genius, a literal genius. The next Bill Parcells or Bill Belichick, his name is Bill. Here he is ready to go. And he has improved this defense. Players progress that were rookies. Everybody stays healthy. And yet it's still hard to get to a point where you can say that, somebody's not going to come up the middle and pressure Kirk Cousins and he's going to throw it three yards on fourth and eight, right? Like, doesn't it always kind of come back to that? Or that the weaknesses of the roster still would not get you that are caused by having so many older and expensive players. Now, here to, to continue with the exercise. So that's a really hard argument to make. Your argument was that they would have to get really lucky with their matchups, like absurdly lucky. And my argument would be that they have to have basically like the draft's best draft ever. All right. Now make it for two years from now. Make the argument that the Vikings, I just, I just took out $7,000 from my bank account. And I put it on the 2024 Super Bowl. Now, now, now go ahead. Now make that argument. I think then it points kind of towards what you were saying, but you kind of got to do it two years in a row. I don't think this roster is one good draft away. I think there are a couple good drafts away because as we've seen from these last few drafts, they've been very, very boomer bust. They've been Justin Jefferson and Christian Darisaw and basically nothing else of you know great consequence. You spent a couple early round picks on a couple of interior offensive linemen, one that looks average maybe, and the other one that was kind of a disaster and end Igram in his first season. I think it's... It's having two solid drafts where you come out with three or four starters, and one of those in one of those drafts probably has to be a quarterback, but I won't for this exercise say that's absolutely necessary because if you hit two drafts out of the park, then you put yourself in a spot where your roster rivals a roster like the 49ers, and then maybe you can make it. But it it, it really it's stacking two good drafts because this the thing when we talk about contention and we spend all year talking about where they're going to be in the playoffs, I don't think we spend as much time on looking at the drafts of the past and where they've gone wrong. And the Justin Jefferson pick clouds a lot of it because I think when you look at the rest of it and you say, oh boy, we haven't gotten the depth ready to step in when we need them. And that's caused us to have to get these veterans that then end up coming up short. If they had drafted Jalen Rager instead of Justin Jefferson, they would have been tanking by 2020 because they just have ne- would not have won games that they did. I think that this one is so much easier to make the argument for. And it is a quick turnaround. And you are right that when you look at a lot of positions, and you and I have both been writing articles at purpleinsider.com uh, about like what they're going to do at every position. And every position, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to deal with this guy's contract and that guy's contract and this guy's age and that guy's age that is an old and expensive roster. But... If the Vikings in this year's draft traded up from number 24 to number 10 and drafted whatever quarterback is there, Anthony Richardson, let's just say, you could convince me that it's possible because Anthony Richardson combined with taking a longer term approach of moving on from those expensive players would create for you so much cap space that if you even hit on Richardson to the point where he's good, doesn't even have to be Patrick Mahomes, but just good, then you've got a chance to fill out the rest of that roster. And the Wilfs will spend money. 
uh, in free agency. They'll put it down if, if that's what's necessary. So when people talk about are they good owners, are they bad owners, we know they're rich owners and that they are not cheap and they will spend. And you can fix some of these issues and then you probably need a quarterback who's a little more dynamic and fits what there is uh, here in the NFL today. And if you go back just to 2020 and look at, and I know that's three years, so it's a little different timeline, but 2020, the Cincinnati Bengals and Philadelphia Eagles, just pull up those standings. Those were two of the worst teams in the National Football League just two years ago, three seasons ago, whatever you want to, whatever, 2020. It, and yet here, here they were. Like Cincinnati is one score away. Philadelphia is in the Super Bowl. They drafted the quarterbacks. They built around them, and you can get there. And I guess what I want to know, what I would love to know, as you were trying to make that argument, is how anyone at TCO Performance Center would make any other argument than the one we just talked about, than drafting players, being able to spend in free agency, getting a young athletic quarterback that if he hits, you've got a chance to build something special around him. And yes, I know sometimes they go bust. What, what, what? It's going to be so bad that you win one playoff game in five years? Oh, wait. That's what you already did. So I, people have ponder fear that they can't get over. Like, oh, well, that one time we drafted a quarterback that didn't work out. But um, I just wonder what the argument would be. And I think that it's probably, Paul, it would be Kevin O'Connell who would make the argument against it because he just won 13 games. And that's pretty nice. If you're the head coach, you win 13 games. You feel great. You only had to eat it five times over there in a post-game press conference. And your record looks really shiny. And I don't know if you want to agree to that. I don't know if you want to agree to drafting a quarterback and having to mold that guy rather than just trying to get the most out of Kirk Cousins. And this whole collaborative, we want everybody to be on the same page with everything, this offseason we might might see a, a little bit of a break from that. Uh, and I think that that's why that's so hard and why a lot of us rolled our eyes at it is because if you're Quasi Adolfo Mensa, you've got to know. You've got to know the numbers. You've got to live in reality where you're at. But how do you convince a coach, a coaching staff, that this requires a step back? And that doesn't mean a tank, but it does mean an approach where you say, sorry, Adam Thielen, it's time to go. Sorry, Eric Kendricks, it's time to go. Like Those are veteran, experienced players that I think uh, Delvin Cook, it's like hard to move on from those guys when you just won a bunch of games with them. Yeah, but if you're trying to convince, let's say, ownership of that, let's say Kwesi and Kevin O'Connor are on the same page, a 13-win season buys you a lot of goodwill for an ownership yep. group. When you have kind of that buffalo game and you have the colts come back and you like have all these good memories that you can point to with the owner and say we help deliver you that now trust us trust us that we want to try to take this next step and i think the only way quasi and kevin o'connell look at it and say man we got to run this back is if they feel like they don't have that backing from ownership where they can feel like we can take one step back to hopefully take two steps forward that feels like based on what we know from quasi and o'connell and them wanting this championship standard which by their comments, basically are saying we don't quite have that yet. I think they see that they need to take some big overhauling steps, and I think it just takes convincing ownership to get there. Yeah, they did not really lock themselves into we're going to be back. And I think that was important from the press conferences. They talked around the timeline a lot, but they didn't say we are one piece away. We are one step away. And that gave some confidence. You think they'll do it? You think that they'll make radical moves here? I really don't know. I think that... History rewards the bold a lot of times in the NFL, 
But I don't – I just – the ownership part of it. Like are you going to convince them after this? Maybe. Maybe that Giants game will be the sort of opposite of what the Saints win was where it was like, okay, that's enough. Time to move on. Yeah, it's it's hard because that is the hard choice. It's telling a fan base we're taking a step back after 13 games. It's telling the ownership group that. That's the tougher decision than just saying, hey, man, we're close because every fan base is going to convince them. Some other team's going to get injured. You're going to see a path for a few weeks next year if you just hold on. But is is that worth it? Is that is that almost false hope worth it? All right, when we come back, thank you, Paul. And uh, make sure you read Paul's work, purpleinsider.com. Uh, does great, great analysis of the Vikings. I just I have a question for Tubbs about uh, the Eagles. He really doesn't like the Eagles. And whether it's reasonable for Vikings fans to have a beef with the Philadelphia Eagles or not. Matthew Collar, in for Henry Lake. All right, Chris Tubbs, I have a couple questions for you, just about you personally. And there's yes. lots of questions that could be asked. Um, yeah, well, you're not the first. One long. is about your hat, and the other one is about the Eagles. And we can ask the hat question or the Eagles question later. Which one would you prefer? They, they, well, the Eagles one seems to trigger me more. Okay. The the hat seems to trigger other people. So we will. <laughs> let's wait go, let's go Eagles first. Let's then. go with the Eagles first. Yes. And so you made a comment in the break that you really uh, hate the Eagles as a Vikings fan. I don't hate the Eagles. And, I hate Eagle fans. Okay. All right. Well. So you're rooting against the Eagles here. Like you have I, a, an interest in rooting against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Is that an accurate portrayal that, of your opinion? I hope the Chiefs okay, I mean I get I hope it gets to the point <laughs> where Taylor Heineke gets to uh come back into a, a Chiefs uniform and they bring him in for the fourth was, quarter. Was Taylor Heineke a Chief? I believe he was for a short period of time. Oh, maybe he was. Uh, Years well, ago. Or Chad Henney is the Chad Henney, yeah. Anyway, Green, who knows. So Here's what I think about the yeah. Eagles is I get where your issue with the fans would be because in 2017, I was in that parking lot walking into the stadium before the NFC Championship game, and it was Mad Max. It was a violent atmosphere. Those people had all day to drink and get ready for that game, and they were throwing full beers at Vikings fans, and the language was uh, unacceptable in public. And the cops didn't care because they want, you know, they were fine with it. So anyway, you know, that uh, is understandable that those people in that environment did not act like a Midwest uh, pregame type of situation where it's like, oh, a Packers fan, how would you have a bratwurst? Uh, yeah, it, it was, it was it not was, like that. No. The East Coast is not like that. So I, I get it. It was malicious. And, and here's the thing. I mean, all kidding aside. If you are going to act, and we know the reputation of Philly going back to booing Santa Claus and throwing the, you know, throwing the, the, you know, ice snowballs, yeah, at Michael Irvin, yeah, and, you yeah. know, and, and all of this stuff, right? But if you are going to act like a jackass, then I don't feel like you deserve to have anything happy. And good happen to you. <laughs> okay. If you're I, going to be an awful person, you deserve awful things to happen. I get, I get your point. It probably was only a handful of fans that are like that. And, and Philly's reputation, it certainly precedes itself. But that doesn't mean that an entire fan base of millions of people that like the Philadelphia Eagles were all getting hammered in that parking lot and throwing. No, because those were the one, those were the ones that were at home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. they were doing that at home. They weren't doing it in the public eye. I, if that, to but, me, per- perception's reality though, right? I mean, I've, I've been to Philly. And I mean, I've I've seen it firsthand, but I would rather wear 
an opposing jersey in New York in Yankee Stadium yeah. than I would in Philadelphia. Well, there's no question it's the last place in the NFL that you would want to wear the opposing team's jersey because something legitimately bad could happen to you. Uh, maybe, I mean, what they call maybe, like the, the, the 500 level or you have, that they used to yeah, have at the vet? Yeah. I mean, it, it was the only – it's the only stadium or it was the first one that had a jail underneath. Yeah. Is that there's, a reasonable – argument for Vikings fans despising the Eagles though because to me it seems like they're you're just salty that they beat you is is more than anything if that's the one thing that you have to hold on to is in your parking lot your fans acted bad toward our parking lot or toward our fans which could have happened in any NFL parking lot or situation like that in a big game that Fans would not treat each other nicely. I mean, fans are going to be, you're always going to have those little pockets of fans that are always going to be rude. And Vikings fans, you know, every fan base has got them. Oh, Vikings fans would wait till the other team walked by and then talk behind their back. Oh, we absolutely would. I mean, Minnesota nice <laughs> is Minnesota passive aggressive. Absolutely. But like, I don't have like any animosity towards Falcons fans. Like Saints fans, I still have this. I mean, 2009, you damn near tried to kill, like, five different guys. I think that one's reasonable. If, yeah. if Vikings fans forever dislike mm-hmm. the New Orleans Saints, uh, that one but is But that reasonable. was because of football. Th- this, to me, like, if it would have been maybe any other team, if the yeah. fans didn't, wouldn't have been Philadelphia fans, yeah. I probably wouldn't have that taste in my mouth. But you got your Super Bowl— I hope that Patrick Mahomes throws for 700 yards against you. <laughs> I hope that Jalen Hurts gets sacked 15 times on the first drive. Like, I I don't want you to have nice things. Because I think outside of that, those fans acting the way that they did in that parking lot, there really isn't a case for Vikings fans to have some beef with the Philadelphia Eagles. It really is just that you're mad about one particular game. And the Eagles didn't do anything that was BS in that game either. It's not like... No, no, no. They, not, the Eagles played a fantastic They just were game. better than you. They were better. So you're just mad because they were better. That's not really a rivalry. That's more like, oh, man. Oh, there, there's you no... You whooped us, so now yeah. I'm going to hate you forever. I mean, if the... You make a good point about the Falcons. Like, people don't hate the Falcons forever, I guess, because they blame themselves as opposed to the other team played better. I think Minnesota sports fans like a little bit when they could say, we got screwed. Not the other team was better than us. Oh, it was it was the well, refs. It was the kicker. It was the whatever. But in Philadelphia, there was no argument for anybody getting screwed. It was, you went there, they beat up your fans in the parking lot, and then beat you up on the but football that, but field. But that's why, like... I, I don't mind the beating up on the field. Yeah, right. It's, I get that. I it's get just that. being a jerk. Like I don't. If you're a jerk, but aren't there some jerk fans for every team? Well, yeah, they're, I mean, they're right? absolutely. They're absolutely. They took it are. to another level yeah. that day. I but, mean, if if we're talking about any fan base, we're talking about Philadelphia, and it's. I, I feel like they, and I've I've got friends of mine that are from Philly, like, and and they know that some of what I say is tongue in cheek. But at the same time, they wear that like a badge of honor. Yeah, it's like oh, they like it. There. If yes, we can be sure. nasty to people, guess what? That's that's our thing. Like we're gonna curse at you and we're gonna throw stuff at you. It's like verbal, fine. Once you start throwing full frozen cans of alcohol, 
that's where I have a problem with you as an individual. And maybe this is where I have a little more leeway personally for it, having grown up in Buffalo and the tailgating is legendary oh, yeah. in Buffalo. Not as violent as that in general, but still, you know, people get a little out of control there. The, but it seems like East it's fun, Coast though. is also like this, though. Like East Coast, you kind of have that attitude that it's a little more aggressive than it is in the Midwest. So it's okay to just go somewhere no, and have no, somebody no. throw stuff at no, you? No, it's not okay. Uh, my point is that a handful of bad people did some very uh, unfortunate things to Vikings fans, who, by the way, were told, don't wear your Vikings gear if you're going to that game, and they did anyway. And then San Francisco fans, well, they, what they were you thinking? It. San Francisco fans go there, and Vikings fans did the same thing. They mess with the Rocky statue, they put a little 49er jersey on, Rocky, you're just messing with fate when you do that uh, and also angering those fans that already are uh, the way that they are. So but you can never support your team on the road in Philadelphia. I, d- I No, I wouldn't do it. I mean, you got to be smart there, right? Uh, I just think that for the Vikings fans who are rooting against Philly, I, f- I feel you. It's the NFC. I also think it's just jealousy, though. It's just jealousy. because they got a Super Bowl. I just want their fans not, to be miserable. But it's not just the Super Bowl after they waited for a long time and had so many close calls, which it's like, hey, that was supposed to be us. But also because they're there again, and if you track the two teams since the NFC Championship, not only did they whip your tail in that game, they've whipped you in the journey back that the Vikings have just been, you know, petering around in the middle, and they had a good season this year, but then... Who's over there having a better season? And they and they got the quarterback that I feel would have been. And and I said this years ago, and and I'm not just like saying it now. Like when you see Jalen Hurts yep. drop a couple of rounds, you're like, there's the guy. There's the guy you can take and develop. Like the raw talent was there, and now you're seeing it. And in my mind, I'm envisioning Jalen Hurts with Justin Jefferson, and I'm like, well, uh, oh well. But I mean, that's. Philly's doing it right. There's no question. Right. That's my point. Yeah. Is that when they drafted Jalen Hurts, they did it right. They moved on from a middling, expensive quarterback in Carson Wentz Mm -hmm. and got the athletic, cheap quarterback and built around them. It's like, that could have been you. And it wasn't. And now you have to watch it. So I understand the misery that goes along with that for Vikings fans watching someone that you feel like maybe should have been you. But I, I just don't think there's a reasonable beef there. Anyway, we'll take a break. And uh, we'll talk a little more Super Bowl when we return. Uh, One team is taking a bit of a lead in the Vegas betting, and I want to talk about whether that's reasonable or not. We'll be right back. So I was thinking about Patrick Mahomes today because what were you thinking about Uh, in the Super Bowl? And And how he's going to throw for 900 yards against against the Eagles. Eagles. Yes, Yes. I think you did make that clear. You don't like them. Um, (laughs) But... So the the money in Vegas is moving toward the Chiefs, and this shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, already with a busted up ankle, Patrick Mahomes can beat a very very good Cincinnati Bengals team, and his ankle will get more healthy, and he is the greatest quarterback in the universe. And I think that there is a feeling that is developing with Patrick Mahomes that was similar to Tom Brady, this inevitability of Mahomes where he's so good, and we've dealt with this any NBA fan in the 90s. I enjoyed the Knicks of the 90s, so I know this feeling. There is a sense that no matter what you do, that guy is just going to end up in the Super Bowl, and he's probably going to win. I don't think that it's a guarantee that he wins. Uh, One thing that Philadelphia has going for them is a tremendous pass rush, 
Their offense is stacked. Their offensive line is great. They run the ball extremely well. Kansas City's not great against the run. Super Bowl is kind of where any weaknesses that you have get exposed. And yet, people still are like, nah, nah, Mahomes. If you go roster for roster, player for player, you can make an argument for the Philadelphia Eagles all day. They have better receivers. Kansas City traded theirs away. They have a better defensive line. Kansas City's is good, but it's not great. They probably have a better secondary. Their shutdown corner, Darius Slay, is one of the best in the league, as we saw when he played against the Minnesota Vikings. And yet, still, everyone, no, no, Mahomes. And Mahomes is one of the, if not the most likable superstar athlete, maybe of my lifetime, other than Ken Griffey Jr., where you could just not find anyone who had a beef with Ken Griffey Jr. If you did, then you didn't like you. If you had a problem with Ken Griffey, your problem was with you. And the same thing goes for Mahomes. That if you don't like Mahomes, then you just wish you had Mahomes. And if you don't like that the broadcaster talks too much about Mahomes, it's only because he's unbelievable. And it's sure, yeah, game after game, why are we watching Mahomes in playoff game after playoff game with Tony Romo slobbering over him? Because he's <laughs> in all the playoff games. And they always talk about the quarterback. And you wish it was your quarterback. I wonder if, like, Mahomes' exhaustion will start to set in if he wins this Super Bowl. Because I think this is a real thing. Tom Brady, there were more reasons to dislike Tom Brady. Uh, One of them being uh, just the cheating scandal. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is, like, he's likable, but he also, he gives you that honest vibe, right? Like, he's just... Whereas, I mean, you had Deflategate, you had Spygate, you had all of these negative vibes and stories around New England. You're like, well, Tom Brady can't win if he can't cheat. Right. And you're like, Patrick Mahomes is, I mean, he's as pure as the driven snow in people's eyes. And there were some things with Brady, like just sort of an arrogant element to his personality. Uh, You know, the throwing of the helmets and stuff like that that would put people off. But you had Mahomes when he got hurt on the sideline just going off about how he wanted to be in the Mm -hmm. game and you can't take me out of the game. So this ultimate competitor, but also general overall seems to be a nice guy. Yeah, I I, want to ask you about that because when something like that happens, like people are viewed differently and we see these outbursts all the time, depending on who you are. It's viewed differently. If if Patrick Mahomes says that, oh, man, he's a competitor. Like, we see other people do it, and you're like, they're just a distraction. They're immature. They're overreacting. I mean, how can – I mean, and and you're a football guy, and and that's this is why I want to ask you, why is it some guys can do it and it's okay, whereas other guys do it and they're not viewed in the same light. Yeah, normally, now I use Brady as that would be one reason if you didn't like Brady back then that you would have tried to use against him, that he kind of acted like a baby sometimes. But generally, all that stuff was applauded. Uh, normally, it has to do with the race of the player. Like, if it's a white quarterback, they're going to get the, like, see how much he wants to win. I guarantee you if Mahomes was yelling at teammates the way that Brady does and throwing stuff, it would not be celebrated as, like, look, look how much he cares. Trying um, to rally the troops. Yeah, sort of and, and Stephon Diggs is good evidence of I, that Yeah, I was well. going to ask yeah. you because everybody yep. was getting on Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. I don't think that the difference with receivers for why they take – Criticism in a different way is just because they play receiver and not quarterback. Um, I, when it comes to like outbursts and things like that, not that I think that they're good. I just think that they happen. 
that every NFL player will tell you. And, and this the guy from the Bengals the other night, there was a video of him because there's video of everything, mm-hmm. which is just hard for, I think, every NFL player. They're coming off the field, and he just yells like as an outburst, like, how did you touch the quarterback? Now, he probably didn't think he was being videoed, and he was just overwhelmed. They're not going to the Super Bowl, and it's just not a great moment for it him. It was uh, Jermaine Pratt when yes, they were going Jermaine in the Pratt. locker room. Yeah. And he's just getting roasted. There's other players in the NFL who are like, oh, you can't do that and everything else. Like, oh, come on, man. Everything is on video. Every outburst is on video. And now he looks like he's just the worst guy for having, I think, a natural response that the entire nation had. To well, and, and he apologized to it. Did. Yeah. He, he apologized. Yeah, yeah. It's like, in that moment, I understand it. Like, you're a play away from the Super Bowl. Right. And, and he's I mean, also right, by the way. Yeah. Joseph Osai cannot hit Patrick Mahomes that far out of bounds. Um, but I think that's my point, too, is that the number of cameras that we have Back in the day, there was probably a lot of arguments on the sideline. Heck, uh, maybe some here even with Randy Moss and Chris Carter and Dante Culpepper. But they weren't shared around social media instantly every single time. So if you were at the game or you were watching the local broadcast, if they happened to catch it, you knew about it. And you could discuss it with your buddy the next day. But it just became a huge thing. Um, So aside from the point, I do think that. There's going to be, if Mahomes wins, mm-hmm. the Michael Jordan-esque feeling of, oh, great. Like, why do we even field teams? Because we know this guy's going to be there every time. And the attempt to find reasons to dislike him because there are so few. Um, maybe it'll be like a Tiger Woods thing where, again, like you'd really struggle to find people who used to dislike Tiger Woods. I think everybody liked him. Um, when we come back real quick, Jesus is advertising in the Super Bowl? Uh, what? So Jesus is advertising in the Super Bowl. Jesus, uh, yeah, that the, the Savior. Um, there's a story. This from at Raw Story on Twitter. Uh, a one billion dollar campaign from a group quote linked to staunchly conservative causes will try to quote redeem Jesus's brand in Super Bowl ads. And I think I've just read the most 2023 thing. That I have ever read in my entire life. Did it have the word woke in it? Uh, it did not. Well, it did not. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, Sorry. yeah, I guess that that, re- that would have made it if there was at least some other rhetoric mixed in. But uh, I've seen these ads, and they're kind of strange. And it's like they show a bunch of people fighting with each other. And then they're like, Jesus forgave people for fighting. And then it's like, Jesus.web or something. <laughs> and I, ju- I can't help myself here, but... To wonder if Jesus had a billion dollars, I think he'd spend it on his brand. <laughs> I mean, what? it is it is a heck of an ad buy during the Super Bowl, though. It it is, but also, I mean, Jesus can afford you, to buy a, a Super Bowl. You ad. also have to, you, I mean, have to ask the question of like, why is the NFL and is it CBS or Fox? It doesn't matter. Probably. Fox? It's fo- I, I think it's Fox, yeah, because everybody's talking about Greg Olson being on the call this year. Okay, well then, some stuff makes more sense, I guess, if it's Fox. But like, you're uh, you're allowing this clear rhetoric to be put out there in the name of actual Jesus, which is just not exactly the most moral thing to do, I think. But uh, you know, and and by the way, like Jesus seems like a 
good person to have people uh, in, in people's lives, someone to learn about. I agree. I don't know that he needs a brand thing, though. I think he's probably the most well-known figure ever in history. So he probably doesn't need this group's help when they're actually doing it just to send people to a website to push an agenda in the name of Jesus. I mean, that's uh, – it, it, it is – but we're in a – I mean I feel like we are at a point in time, Matthew, that whatever you can use as a prop to push people to some sort of financial incentive, like people are going to use that. Whether or not it's morally right, you know, I mean it's completely subjective. But if they can use anything to draw on emotion – and get people to get behind their cause, they're going to use it. Yeah, I, I just and it's unfortunate. I just think when it's so clearly like it's not even like veiled all that much what's actually kind of going on here, and for the NFL to run with it, I wonder if the story does anything for that. Like the story being out of what's actually going on with those ads, because I certainly wondered. I was like, this is weird. Uh, but to know that it's basically just more political rhetoric, I mean, I don't know if they want to have that connection. I think they'd rather just have more potato chip ads, which is what I'm looking forward to. Uh, let's talk basketball with Jace Frederick when we return. Matthew Collar in for Henry Lake.